Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace. It's great to be with you all. You know, there's a way as... Uh, as those who follow Christ Jesus, if you are in Him and following Him and you have proclaimed Him your Lord and Savior, there's a way He is always with us, right? Amen. He is with us in spirit. His, His spirit dwells in us, and so He is ever-present with us in that unique way. And, and yet, there's a way where we gather together as a body of believers in worship, when we dive into the Word together, when we celebrate communion together, which we're going to do in a little bit. Uh, there's a way where we gather to remember our Lord and Savior that there. There's a, just a connection and a, a closeness we can experience to God uh, because we're in uh, relationship with his people and because we experience that. So it's good to experience that together this morning with you. Um, I am here to continue in the spiritual gift series. I guess all of you are too, but uh, <laughs> we uh, started out this series a couple weeks ago and Jeff led us through um, how to discover your gifts and, and that was part of his message and if you missed uh, that message. There's still a pack, packets out at the Connection Center that have uh, both the notes from his message, some information about gifts, some information about forming your life mission statement, and also a website where you can go to take a spiritual gifts test. And all of those things are simply tools. They're not definitive. They're simply tools that um, we provide you to, to listen, to contribute to listening to God together. And, and, and listen, go before him with those things. Go ar around to others of his people that you're in relationship with those as you listen to how he might have uh, gifted you in your life. And uh, so we are going to continue in that series. Last week, uh, Alex talked about uh, the purpose of gifts and the practice of gifts. This, this week, I want to go to the preparation for gifts. How, do we, how are we prepared to use our gifts? And let me just open in prayer, and then we'll dive into God's Word this morning. Lord God, I, I thank you that you have a work for us to do. That even as you have called us to be yours, those who are in relationship with you, that you don't just save us for ourselves, but you save us to you and you save us to a purpose for your kingdom. So God, I thank you for the ways that we've uh, learned from your word over the course of this series, both on Sundays, and I thank you for those of us who have gone to your word throughout the week on this subject, and Lord, the way we have uh, lear learned and heard from you on all the ways that you have equipped us with, with gifts of your spirit with our own skills, um, and, and with the ways you have uniquely wired us, Lord. And so we are grateful for all that, and we're grateful that you desire to use us in ways of significance for your kingdom. Not significance in the world's eyes, but significance in your, your eyes. I thank you that a cup of cold water given in your name is not fruitless, but is made much of in your kingdom. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for whatever ways you would desire to use us in our lives, both now and in the future. Prepare our hearts for that this morning. In your name, amen. amen. So we are going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. And you'll see uh, what you're going to see as we read through this portion of Romans 12 is you're going to see a lot of the same themes that we saw already in this series, and I, I just want to read through this passage, and then we'll get where we're going. For Paul says in Romans 12, verse 3, For by, grace, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so the, the first week, one of the topics Jeff hit on, one of the things he talked about the first week was comparison which can come up when we seek to be used by God, even when we seek to be used by gifts that he has given us, comparison can come up as we attempt to serve. And we look at everybody else and the way they're serving, 
And, and Jeff said, when we compare outward, we're going to feed one of two things. We're going to either feed our insecurities. How often does that happen, right? Whew, they're serving so much better than I am, than I ever could. Or we're going to feed our ego. And that's what Paul's speaking to right here. He says, God is going to use you. God has gifted you in ways. That is a beautiful thing. But don't think too highly of yourselves when you're doing it. Remember, these things are gifts. You didn't earn them. They're from the Spirit of God within you. So he's going to use you in amazing ways, but don't think too high and mighty of yourselves when he's doing it. It's his work. And then he continues on, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are, the, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. And this speaks to, if you were here last week, uh, Alex walked us through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on the body of Christ, on being the body of Christ, how there is a unified diversity, that God has equipped us differently, and yet we're all members of each other. We all belong to each other, and he brings us together in one body or in one ninja coffee bar, if you were here, <laughs> to have greater, far greater impact than we could ever by ourselves. And so that's what he does, and that's what Paul speaks to here. And then I, I love where Paul goes next because he talks about what this body then can look like if we're walking in our giftings. Watch this. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So you've all been given gifts. What do we do with them? Use them. Get to it. But then I began to wonder as we read this, how do, how do we get prepared? How do, how do we get ready to use our gifts? This isn't just a like Nike, just do it thing. God prepares our hearts and prepares ourselves to be used by him in these gifts. So how does he do it? But Paul goes on to tell us how and when to use our gifts. He illustrates a little bit of that, and we're going to walk through this. And yet what I love here is that he gives us a picture of what this body can look like when everything's running right, when we're all walking in health and using our giftings. He says this, if you have the gift to prophesy, prophesy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, if you have the gift of teaching and in, in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so what I want us to see here is, yes, we're going to look at these individual gifts and how Paul is saying to use and when to use these, but he's saying overall, imagine what it would be like if this was going on. The whole body working together well. Has your body your physical body, have you ever been in a season where it's all been working well? It's all been working really well. Usually we don't appreciate it when we're in it, right? We're all getting older. I have pains I didn't have yesterday or the year before or when I was 25 last year. I didn't have those, I don't have, my body isn't working the way it used to, right? And yet there's times that we have, seasons that we have, where our bodies can just be in a flow and everything's working right and we're fit and we're active. There's this thing for runners, it's called runner's high. And if you train as a runner and you go into running and you're regular running, you can go on these long runs and you'll get to a place called runner's high. I think the closest I've gotten to is moments where I'm running and I haven't swallowed any gnats. <laughs> My shins aren't cramping up. That's about as close as I've gotten. But if you really train, this is a serious thing where there's this just sense of euphoria that comes on, on people as they're running, I've heard. And, and that it can just seem easy. And that you can go, and it's just easier to keep going than it is to stop. I think the only time I've sensed that is when I'm eating potato chips. 
just easier to keep going than when I stop. But runners can experience, they're striving, they're running, they're taking, they're going the distance, and yet it's just, it's easy in this time. And I think Paul has given us a glimpse of what if the body of Christ had a runner's high? <laughs> what if all the gifts were working in use and all the body working well, and look what can happen. What if all of us, not just those with prophecy, but if all of us were using our gifts in proportion to our faith? Do you know God has equipped you with faith? And do you know that that faith can see what your human eyes cannot see? You know, if we were to use our gifts just to the extent of what our human eyes can see, just to the extent of what we're capable of, we wouldn't get very far. But Paul says, use your gifts to the extent of your faith. Another version says, to the extent of your vision, to the limits of your vision. And, he, and, and then the, the writer of Hebrews says what this can look like sometimes. It says, you know what people did with faith? They through faith conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped lion's mouths. They took away the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, mighty in war. They put armies to flight. It wasn't all easy. They suffered unbelievably. They were destitute. And the world was not worthy of them. That's what's possible when we exercise our gifts to the extent, to the limit of the faith, because of our faith. Because when we are operating on our faith, we're seeing what is possible, not with us, but what is possible with God, and everything is possible with God. Are we using our gifts to the extent of our faith? And then Paul says this, and it seems kind of obvious. He says, if you've you got the gift of teaching, use it in your teaching. Um, gift of service in your serving. Gift, gift of exhortation in your exhortation. Well, that seems kind of obvious. If you have a gift, you're going to use the gift where the gift gets used. But I, I think here's what he's pointing to. All of us, no matter who we are, are teachers. Do you know that? Yes. You're teachers to somebody in your life. Maybe it's you're a parent and you have kids and you're teaching those kids. Maybe you're an actual teacher in a school and you're teaching those students. You're a teacher to your peers in your life. You're a teacher to others in your life. If you don't have any kids, you can be a teacher to those kids over there, not just on a Sunday, I just mean in the family of God. We are all teachers. And says, so Paul says, if you have the gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching, where are you going to use that gift where you're teaching? You're already teaching in your life. You know, we're going to use that gift where you're teaching. I think this is important because when we, we think, when we discover our gift, what the Spirit has given us, all of a sudden God is going to open up this huge, broad, new expanse and platform for us. And, and that might happen. He might ex extend you to, to reach to people that you would never reach otherwise in your life. He probably will. And yet it's not always to a new platform. It's not always to a celebrated place. Sometimes, most of the time, it's, it starts with just where he put you. So as you discover your gifts, you know where you're going to use your gifts? Where you're being used. Where he has put you in your life. God is sovereign over time and he has designed you to be in the family you're in even if it's difficult. Be in a relationship with the people that you're in relationship, even when they're difficult, even when you're difficult too. And, and God has sovereign all over this, and he designed you, you, to speak to the people he puts you in relationship with. So are you using your gifts where they're to be used? And then he ends this portion with this, and I love this. He says, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads don't just lead, lead with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And I think Paul's saying, be outstanding. Use your gifts far above and beyond. If your gift is giving, give generously. 
Give over and above what anybody else would think possible, what anybody would reasonably give. Give. If you lead, don't just lead. Lead with eagerness. Lead with zeal. And I love this. If, if it's mercy, do it cheerfully, which doesn't sound like much, right? But you know what that word means, cheerfully? It means joyful abandon. Are we all a joyfully abandoning ourselves to be used by God in our lives? Folks, this is what's possible when the body's working well, when we're all walking in our gifts. And so I read that. Can you imagine a body like this? Can you imagine a body where everyone is walking in their giftings like this? If there is somebody in need, those who are giving are giving generously, and those with mercy are doing it with joyful abandon, and those needs are met. If there's somebody who doesn't know, those with the gift of teaching are telling them. They're being informed, and every need is being met, and the body is working the way it should that's on a runner's high. I want that. I want that when I go to use my gifts, don't you? So how do I get that? How do I get that? How do I get there? Does it just happen? Is it just, you got gifts, use them. Just do it. Or is there a posture to have as we do this? That's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time. See, if we back up before these verses, I think Paul lays out two important things for us that will prepare us to use our gifts. And I got to tell you right away, they're not new, probably. They're not that clever. But they are needed. If we're ever to be used by God to the full extent of our gifts, if we're ever to be a healthy body together, we need this. So we're going to back up to the end of chapter 11 and read these verses. It says, For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And we'll come back and talk about that. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. There's mercy again. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's two things that Paul points to here, I think, that we need to have to prepare ourselves for being used by him. And the first one is this. It's to open our eyes to God's mercy. To open our eyes to God's mercy. That that Romans 12, verse 1, is pretty familiar to a lot of us, but look at it in a different translation. This is the way it starts. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God. Are your eyes wide open to God's mercy this morning? I mean, I've heard about God mercy, God's mercy. I've been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time, so I have, a, I have a certain understanding of God's mercy. But are my eyes wide open to the mercy of God this morning. See, I think a lot of us, we get used to mercy. I do anyway. I get used to mercy. Because can I be honest with you? I just, when it comes down to it, I think I'm a pretty good guy. Like, I'm not so bad, right? Let's, let's be honest. Watch the news out there and all the, there's people you encountered in your life out there this week. And man, those people are crazy, aren't they? <laughs> what is wrong with them? It's a good thing that you and I are here. Because I mean, just between you and me, like we're, 
at least we're doing okay, right? I mean, I, I need a pep talk once in a while. That's why, I'm, that's why we show up here, right? We need a pep talk once in a while. Just a little, you're doing a good job. Keep going. I think I'm basically good, and I forget that I need mercy. You know what mercy is? Bringing help to the wretched. So sure, I need God's help, but, but wretched? Wretched? So, so Jesus tells this story in Luke 10. He tells a story about mercy. You can go look it up later. I'm just going to give you the, the Ben summary of it. He tells this story to a guy who's a lot like us because he's a guy who thinks, well, he's basically a pretty good guy. And he goes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you've been talking about this eternal life. Tell me, what do I have to do to inherit the eternal life? What do I do to get it? And Jesus says, well, what does the law tell you? God's already told you what you need to do. And the guy says, I know this one. <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you got it right. Do that and you will live. Eternal life. And then it says the guy, he, maybe he's going through his mind. How, do, how am I doing there? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, check, mind, check, souls, check, strength, check. Yeah, I'm doing great there. Doing fantastic there, actually, but let's, let's go on. Like, uh, love my neighbor as myself. Well, it depends. And it says, it says, seeking to justify himself, he asked this question, well, who's my neighbor? Because that's going to depend, like, I, I am loving some people well. If I'm loving the right people, I'm in. That's good. So it says, seeking to justify himself, seeking to show how good he is. He says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't answer his question. Jesus tells a story. And he tells a story that's really familiar to a lot of us. It's about a man who travels down a road, and he gets attacked by robbers, and he gets beaten to a pulp, and he gets stripped naked, and he's cut and gashed and bruised and bleeding, and he gets robbed, and they take all his money, and he has nothing. He is left for dead in a ditch. Without help, this man is dying, and the story's over. So a priest comes along, and is the priest going to help him? No. A servant in the temple comes along. Is the servant going to help him? No. Now, Samaritan, the guy you'd least expect it, he, he walks along. He's going to help him. He reaches down and pulls that man out of the ditch. And he lovingly cleans him up and binds up his wounds. And he puts him on his own donkey and takes him to the nearest inn. And he pays the innkeeper and says, do whatever this man needs to get healthy. It's going to take a while, but do whatever he needs to get healthy. And, and listen, if the money runs out, don't worry, just keep caring for him because I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay everything that you've spent to care for this man. And Jesus gets done with his story and he turns to the guy and he says, so who's, who's the neighbor? And the guy says, oh, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. And we read that and I don't know about you, a lot of times I read that and I think go and do likewise. Yep, I need to be the good Samaritan. I need to go and have mercy on others. But you got to catch here the way Jesus said what he said. What was the guy's question? Who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story, and at the end of the, the story, he says, okay, who was a neighbor to the man in the ditch? Oh, the one who had mercy on him. Oh, so my neighbor is not, first and foremost, the one I have mercy on? You mean my neighbor is the one who has mercy on me? Which, which means I'm the guy in the ditch. It means you are too. We love to put ourselves in the place of the Good Samaritan, right? 
but really, we're all the guy in the ditch. This is how Pastor Mark Buchanan puts it. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and discover how desperate, naked, and left for dead you really are. Go discover that you are, in fact, broken and lying in a ditch. Go discover that there is no way to justify yourself. Go discover that you can't do a single thing to inherit eternal life. That unless someone has mercy on you, extravagant, sacrificial mercy, yes, unless God himself comes by, his pocket stuffed with coins to pay the innkeeper, unless he comes by and he stops, you're as good as dead. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Simple. I must realize I'm in a ditch. And I'm doomed unless my neighbor stops and pulls me out. Are your eyes wide open to the God? the mercy of God right now. Some of us in this room, maybe, for, maybe we've never been open to that. I'd invite you for a moment to consider this. You are the one in the ditch. And without any help, you are as good as dead. But then the good news is <laughs> that there is a neighbor, <laughs> one, who came by and he stopped. And he pulled you out of that ditch. And what's available in him is healing for all your wounds. What's available for him is freedom from all your past hurts. What's available for him, from him is, is reconciliation with God himself. This is what Jesus has done for us. For us. God has had mercy on you. We're going to celebrate that mercy now by taking communion together. But there's one thing I want you to notice, too. As we do that, the ushers are walking forward, but they're not walking forward with just one little portion of communion just for you. There's enough cups for all of us. See, because God had mercy on all. See, if you're around the church long enough, we've got to get this, if you're around the church Long enough, you may have heard somebody say, you know what, if you were the only person alive on earth, Jesus would have come and died for you. I don't, I don't really like that phrase. I, I know what people are getting at. Jesus loves you. Jesus came for you individually. Yes, he did. But do you know what's more amazing? That he came for everyone. To have mercy on all of us. Plumbers and prostitutes and presidents. Soccer moms and serial killers, everyone he had mercy on. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for all of us in that while we were all still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's take a moment now as we receive communion to open our eyes wide to the mercy of God. Take the cups, take both cups, remember the crackers and the one in the bottom and just hold them and we'll take communion together in just a moment.
together by our disobedience. And what sin demanded was a consequence. What sin demanded was a punishment. And Jesus offered up his own body to be broken as punishment for our sins. Let us take this with an awareness of what it means. And in the same way, Jesus poured out his blood for us as not only payment for our sins, but as the promise, as the symbol, as the new wine of a new covenant that we might now be in relationship with a holy God. Let us drink with an awareness of what this means. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We can never thank you enough for stopping 
for coming toward us in our ditch, stepping off that throne of heaven, coming into this mess and into this brokenness, into our brokenness, and offering us life. Jesus, I thank you that you not only give us life, you heal us, you free us, and then you release us to be used by you. And for those of us who call you Lord and Savior, there is no one that can snatch us out of your hand. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. In your name, amen. So are your eyes open to the mercy of God? Maybe just a little bit more than they were. How do we respond to that? How do we respond to that mercy? There's only one thing to do. There's a, the only way to respond is praise, is to give God glory for what he's done. And that's where, that's where Paul goes next. He sings to God. He offers up this song to God, just like we did at the beginning of service, just like we did just a moment ago, just like we're going to offer up a song at the end of service, praising him. This is our only response. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Who had any idea God was going to do all this? That this was in his ways. That before Adam and Eve, they were barely dressed and God had this plan in place. God knew what he was going to do. Then he says, for he who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, God did this without any help. He came up with this plan all on his own. No boardroom meetings, no advice needed from anybody else. He came up with this and then he performed it. For who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Nobody's given him anything. He didn't need any help. Jesus came down and did this all by himself. For from him and through him and to him are not just the salvation, but are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. With our eyes wide open to the mercy of God, are we aware that it is now all about him? Because this is kind of a tough thing to get for us. This is a tough thing for, to get for us, that it's not about us. It's not about me, because we, we like to be the hero, don't we? I mean, you read the story of the prodigal, uh, not prodigal son, that was the other one. Uh, what story did I just tell? It's a good Samaritan, thank you. <laughs> you read the good Samaritan, who does everybody want to be? We want to be a good Samaritan, because he's the hero of the story. We're the guy in the ditch. Great. We all want to be the hero. I love heroes, don't you? I love superhero movies. Got any superhero movie fans? Some Marvel fans, okay. We got more people that would admit it this service than last service, so thank you. I had like five that I was talking to, so thank you. I love, I love the Marvel movies, you know, and the, the good versus evil and the action and the humor and all of this stuff, and, and um, I, I love the movies. You know one of the movies I love, especially the ones with this guy? Oh, oh wait, um, hmm. who is that? Happy, happy, thank you. All right, good. Get better responses out of this audience. Dude, that's happy. That's happy. We all love happy, but he's, uh, we, oh, he's the dr guy who drives the car for this guy, for Iron Man. Right. Yep, yep, and uh, so I love Iron Man movies, and I love, I love the other movies, the ones with the, um, hmm, who's, uh, who's that, anybody? Uh, 
Spider, that's not Spider-Man. No, it's Spider-Man's friend. Oh, that's, that's Spider-Man's friend. That's Ned. That's Ned. We all love Ned, don't we? But Ned, Ned's Spider-Man's friend. He's the best friend, friend of Spider-Man. And, you know, everybody likes Ned, right? We all love him. He's comic relief. But nobody wants to be Ned. We don't go to the movies to see Ned. Wouldn't it be weird if we did? Like they did Spider-Man Homecoming, right? They did Spider-Man Far From Home, and the next one's Ned. <laughs> sitting at home. Uh, yeah, you never know. Marvel like Phase 18, it's coming. Um, Ned's great, but nobody wants to be Ned. Because it's not about Ned. Can I tell you something about your story? If you have received the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, and he is your Lord and Savior, can I tell you, you're something amazing right now? You are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You are a treasure. That's good news. Can I tell you something else? We're Ned. Yeah. It's not about us. It's not about me. I'd rather it be about me, but this is hard to get, but it's not about us. And it makes sense when it really sinks in, though, because of God's mercy. Everything, everything that's made and the mercy he extends is it's from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So what do we do when we're not the hero, but he is? Well, we give him everything. Give him your whole self. I think this is the other thing Paul is pointing to here, and it's great, because you know what he just said a moment ago? Who has given God a gift? Nobody. Nobody's given God anything. But because he's the center, guess what we get to do now? We get to give God a gift. The only gift we have to give ourselves. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to God. Not present yourself in some symbolic way, not some heady way that's often, oh, maybe I did this or maybe I did. Present your bodies. This is concrete. This is real. This is today. This is right now. This is tomorrow at lunchtime and at your workplace. Present your bodies to God. So we've all, those of us who follow Jesus Christ have done this. We've presented ourselves to God, right? We said, I'm going to serve you, Lord. But there's a way that we need to do this every day. To what extent are you presenting yourself to God? To what extent are you making yourself available to God? God, I give you my eyes. I give you my eyes. Will you help me see what you see today? Will you help me see what you want me to notice so that I might be more fully used by you? God, I give you my ears. Will you help me hear the cries for help that you hear? Will you help me hear the needs expressed that you hear so that I might step forward? God, I give you my feet that I might walk in the ways that you desire to walk in this world. Wherever you want to go that my life touches God, walk me there. I give you my feet, God. And God, I give you my hands so that I go along the way and I see or hear of somebody in a ditch, I give you my hands so that maybe through me in some small way, you might reach down to them to rescue them out of that ditch. Do we walk around our lives like that? 
Or is it just us walking around our days? I mean, because I've got to admit, some days it's just, it's just me walking around, right? I go into something, and I, I used to have a problem with anger. I've talked about the, that before. I used to have a struggle with anger, and I would go and I would lash out. Maybe not at somebody, but around people. I'd lash out and throw stuff, and I'd walk out of that room. Can you imagine what people were saying? Whew, what just happened there? Wow. Oh, that's just Ben. That's how he is sometimes. Or, you know, I I get busy, and maybe I'm walking through a day so busy that I don't have time for anybody else, and I enter enter into a conversation. All I'm waiting for is just to say what I need to say and get out of there and get on with my life, because this is how much I have to do, because I'm busy. And I walk out of the room, and people might say, whoo, what happened there? Oh, that's Ben. He's he's busy. Huh. Or do I walk around offering myself to God? And when I go in to a conversation, somehow, by the grace of God, after that conversation, somebody feels seen or loved or heard or served or helped in some small way. And at the end of that conversation, they say, man, are you always like this? And you get the chance to say, nope, Jesus is. (laughs) He was like this to me, and that's the only reason I was any good to you. Are we giving our bodies to the Lord? Every day, every moment. And this doesn't stop with our bodies. What about our minds? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Are you making your very thought life available to God? God, I invite you to think what you want to think through me because your thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts. I experienced this recently. You know, in the past few weeks, you might have seen some news articles that I ran across. There's some high-profile Christians recently, a few of them that have walked away. They've given up on the faith, turned away from Jesus Christ, said, I don't believe this stuff anymore, and I'm sorry I ever did. And I read stuff like that, and I, I don't know about you, there's reactions that rise up in me. Uh, first of all, it's like con- confusion and questions. Well, God, he was, he was doing so much for you. Was he ever really yours? What, like, will he be, what, how does that work? And sometimes doubt rises up. I mean, they looked so strong. What about me? Am I strong enough? Am I going to go through a season where I turn my back? Or maybe there's judgments. I can't believe they'd walk away. How dumb do you have to be to walk away from the only truth there is in this world, the only truth that matters? Or maybe there's defensiveness or maybe fear and anxiety. You know, some of these people were influencers. They had a following. They had a crowd that was looking to them to shepherd them. What about all of them, God? Where are they going to be led now when they see this? And you know what's happening is when I think all those things, I'm being shaped in my thinking by the way of the world, right? And Paul says, don't let your thinking be shaped by the world. Allow God to remold your thinking, reshape your thinking, to think the way he would think. And so as I thought of this, I was, as he thought of it through me, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I started to look at the situation and I brought him my doubts, like, God, what about this guy? He looked like he was with you. Is he with you? Is he not? God said, I'm in control. Guess what? It's not your job to figure that out. It's mine. I've got it. 
And as questions and doubt started to rise up, he said, what they're doing doesn't change the truth. I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And as we bring defensiveness or accusation, God can say, no, 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 there's still, there's still a man that I love, that I showed mercy on. So are you showing mercy to them in your thinking? And as I'm worried and fearful about all these other people that were influenced by this guy, these guys, God says, you know what? They weren't following them. They were following me. I've got it covered. I'm strong enough to hold them so that they will not walk away as a result of someone else's choice. And oh, by the way, as you think of this guy, God says, I've written one story of redemption that this guy had something to do with. Do you think I can write another do you think I can write a story that would bring him back because I'm still calling to him? Do you think I can write a story that is beyond your faith, beyond your vision? Think that. And as I think it, I start to pray it. And God remolds my mind. How about you? Are you offering to God your very thought life, your very thinking for him to reshape and then, of course, there's days where I fail at that, right? So I was driving over here, actually, on Thursday night. And on the way here, I go to uh, an intersection. Some guy turns left across the intersection, and he goes, and I go, and he stops. And I stop, and I'm stuck right in the middle of the intersection. And I'm panicking. I'm looking both ways. Nobody's coming. Right. I throw it in reverse. I pull back out of the intersection. He finally pulls off. I'm like panicked. My mind's going a mile a minute. And I, finally he pulls off and I'm able to cross and we keep going. And you know what's in my mind though about that moment? Man, I didn't honk the horn. Like a, that was my chance to show this guy what he was doing. And I didn't lay on the horn. And I get a few streets away and you know who's in front of me? That guy. He's driving a green. No, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> And, I, and I'm like, I could, I could. And God says, what good is it going to do? And oh, by the way, are you bringing me your thoughts? Hmm. Okay, God. <laughs> okay. See, we just heard from Paul, God doesn't need a counselor. He didn't need any help. He didn't need any advice, but we do. <laughs> we were in the ditch, remember? We need a counselor, and God is our counselor. The Holy Spirit within us can counsel our very thoughts. Are you allowing him to counsel you in your thoughts? To say, Lord, what would you have me think about this? And so that's it. Those are the two things that I think Paul is pointing us to, of preparing to use our gifts. Open our eyes to his mercy and give him our whole selves. Well, how does that prepare us? As we do this more fully, do you see that it does everything Paul talked about? It prepares to do in our hearts everything he already talked about. He said, don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. You know what? As I recognize God's mercy in my life, as I submit myself to him, when I get an honest look at myself, I realize, oh, wait, that's right. I was the wretch. I was the one in the ditch. I get an honest look at me. And maybe even more honest, look, I can know I'm not the wretch any longer, but I'm not the hero either. It's about him. So I'll give myself 
to him. And it can change our thinking about each other, right? It can turn us from a body of, from a group of individuals into a body of Christ that is with each other and for each other. To know I can look at you and you can look at me and we're not competitors trying to fight to be the hero of the story, are we? We're now fellow workers along with the Spirit of God to lay ourselves before Him. And He empowers us to work out our giftings far beyond what we can see in front of us. To the extent of our faith. To the extent of our vision because our vision is now much greater. And He tells us to not search for a new field, work in the field you're in. Use my gifts in the place that I have put you because I am God, I am sovereign, and I am in control of your life. And as you do that, use them extraordinarily. Use them in a way far beyond what anyone around you would think. This is what we can do. And you know what happens is we're unified as a body. We become one. And so, you know, I look at that verse, that very familiar verse that we read today. Offer your bodies, offer your bodies up to God as a living sacrifice. And I think, oh, I offer my body and I'm a sacrifice. Well, actually, you know what Paul's saying? He starts out plural, offer your bodies. I'm going to offer my body to God. You offer your body to God. We're all offering our bodies together. And what do we become? A, single living sacrifice to our God. As Christ offered his body on the cross for us, we together now become the body of Christ that offers ourselves back to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have more for us than we've experienced of you so far. We thank you that even as you rescue us, even as the full impact of that rescue comes down on our hearts, Lord, we thank you that you have more. That it's not a rescue just to be left to ourselves. It's not a rescue just to stay together. It's a rescue to walk together. As your people, to lay ourselves before you, to offer all of ourselves to you. And Lord, we would do that now. Lord, we ask that you would teach us to let you have access to all of us today, right now, right here. Have access to that part of us that we have held back from you. If we've kept our eyes on our lives and only what matters to us, Lord, use our eyes to see what you see. If we've used our hands only for our good, use our hands for the good of others. We've walked in places that only make much of us. Lord, let us walk in a way that makes much of you. That we might give you all the glory, Lord, for we testify right now that it is all about you. It's all from you. Everything in our lives, and we see everything we see, it is all from you. It's all for you. It's all to you, God. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace, would you rise with me and let's worship our God together.